Startling monster horror tales of terror. <laughs> Hello, high school hellions. Today's bus trip to terror is the sequel to A Nightmare on Elm Street. A Nightmare on Elm Street 2 Freddy's Revenge. Yeah, there have been a lot of complaints that this movie is a little bit more Freddy Mercury than Freddy Krueger. Ah, uh, this is your usual high school angst movie. You have your teen with an identity crisis, where deep inside he's actually Freddy Krueger. And I wonder, do you get a special bathroom for that? Anyway, this guy's got a little Freddy Krueger inside of him. I think he'd rather have the high school jock inside of him, if you know what the old Chris Keeper's trying to say. Well, anyway, let's get to it. Hello, and welcome to the Vault of Startling Monster Horror Tales of Terror. I am Chris Honeywell. I am here with uh, the usual uh, group of suspects. I've got uh, Chris Tyler. We got special work to do, me and you. <laughs> and, um, of course, them Jack and Eddie boys. We've got Luke, Jack, and Eddie. Are you mounting her nightly or what? <laughs> Fucker stole my line! <laughs> <laughs> and giving Jason, Jack, and Eddie just a couple seconds to recover after his brother steals his line, it's Jason, Jack, and Eddie. You're all my children now. Yes. I had a backup line. Is that okay? I'm always going to backup line. <laughs> Backing up is a key component of this movie. Yes. I I had to use my line in the last Nightmare episode at the end because I realized that if I introduce it, I can't have a line as much. I can't as I can't or, as organically work it in. But my line would have been if the school bus is rocking, don't bother. <laughs> The only part of this movie that I remember from when I originally saw it. Well, this this, this is a this is another one. This is another one. You know, growing up in New York, when my brother and I did, we watched on Channel Five WNYW, cut down to run in an hour and a half time slot. Uh, well, Freddy's Revenge, and and I, I remember the broad strokes. I remember the 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 gym teacher and all the balls because you know balls. Let's talk balls, shall we? There's going to be a lot of ball talk. And I, and, I, and, I remember, and I remember I remember, there being something about a pool party, but the other details were a bit fuzzy, so 
probably because it was it was cut down to a uh, oh, you know yeah. something something like a uh, like a, like a, a, a dried ready to eat sausage. I think is the amount of chopping. Well, the original the original movie was like just in a little under an hour and a half. So then you factor in like commercials. commercials. And yep. that's a lot of stuff that's it's coming a lot of out. cuts. It's a lot of, a lot cuts. of stuff all, coming it's out. All fed into the hopper and the emulsifier, and then down into the hide cellar. Now, uh, and it is guess, made into cereal called Fu Manchu. Fu Manchu. Yeah. Chu Manchu. <laughs> Chu Manchu. All right. Before we get into all the other stuff that's going to happen here, and it's all going to happen, I just going to say this: the scene when he, when Freddy comes out of him is amazing. Is the best part of the entire movie. I'm just throwing it out there. It's amazing. The, I when, will. When you, when, I will one up the, that. Okay, when, when you look in the when you look in his mouth and the eye that's there, that's Kevin Yeager. Kevin Yeager took over all the effects. Kevin Yeager, for those of you who don't know, um, is amazing, and his effects work is everywhere. Uh, Jeff Yeager's brother. Uh, Jeff Yeager is an amazing sculptor. It's his girlfriend's eye looking out of his mouth, and then him coming out of there. That to me has still been the that's the I, best part of this. But, I don't know, just the way Freddie sloughs off the the oh, yeah. just the top the top of his head. Like just off off his back, like water off a duck. That sort of uh, that sort of went full out like Japanese over the topness. There, I was just like, this is fucking crazy. And then you're like actually thinking, is that is this is this the end of of our gay protagonist? Yeah, <laughs> I just wanted to throw that out there because I know we're gonna get to like all the different stuff in it, but. That scene, the it's pretty the, the the scene the awesome. scene where his uh, with his Freddie's arm coming through his arm is yeah. like yeah. yeah you can almost that's painful to watch you you oh, get yeah. like this empathetic pain watching that it's yeah. it's really good well done yes <laughs> as much as I love that I do love the dogs with the human faces yeah. <laughs> they're, they're so a little bad. awkward they're not quite as awkward as the one in like the remake of uh, the body snap uh, invasion the body snatchers but no, yeah. that was way better what are you talking about <laughs> <laughs> these are atrocious here but these, these, these were on loan from like an Empire Pictures movie I think yes. there we go. <laughs> I, I remember <laughs> I remember like w- watching this original and this is it this is as far as I've gotten on Nightmare on Elm Street movies. And I saw this one in the theater because we were all big nightmare. We'd walk like wait, wait I, a minute, wait a minute. I have to interrupt you. So you, you and a bunch of dudes went to go see this movie in the theater. And Fitting. girls, no, there were a lot of girls. Oh, uh, sure, the there were a lot of girls, girls there. Okay, the, yeah, fine. Here's the fine, thing about fine. this. Here's the thing about this, folks. Everything gay that's going to come <laughs> from this point on, oh, I did not. Eyes. I was not picking up on it back then. <laughs> There were a lot of actually now that I'm remembering there were a lot of like a lot of like once my sister and her friends started watching Nightmare on Elm Street they really got into it too. So it was like a there was a pretty big crowd of kids going to see Nightmare on Elm Street too. But but we'd all like probably seen it mostly on like HBO and video. But I all I remember is the opening scene with the school bus. And then being like, ah, it's just kind of a rehash of the first one and not being very impressed. The first one doesn't have an exploding parakeet. No. The the father's just like, that everybody's just like, oh, that was odd. Oh, you you, you (laughs) set the whole thing up. (laughs) 
You set the whole thing up. It's like, yes, I know uh, that the birds were covered before you entered the room, but somehow you managed to stick a cherry bomb down one of their throats. It's what is what is this guy? The mass magician from Magic's Greatest Secrets Revealed? Yeah. Is Mitch Pelegi gonna talk us through how he managed to get that? Uh, you know, well, it's it's a, it's a trick cage. We did talk about out. how dumb the adults were in the last movie, and oh my, dumbed down God. a bit for this movie. <laughs> I think I think I think I'm pretty sure Jesse's parents are in fact legally brain dead. I think they may just be like, you know, we, we were talking well, you talked in the last time a little bit about your reanimator poster. They may actually be reanimated corpses, given the appearance of life by some <laughs> ungodly dabbling in the domain of the of the divine. But this is those are not actual people. Those they were are like, like aliens. They were like as human parents, right? They were some <laughs> light comedy fifty like they were like the zombies of an SCTV skit of a light <laughs> yeah. comedy couple of the 50s. Well, I'm okay, the dad is, what's his face? Uh, Clue, Clue uh, Gulliger. You but can't it, take him seriously. He makes a like, special appearance. You always That's always the best credit. Yes. Special appearance. It's well, just like, it, the only one better than that in a feature film is guest starring. It's like, guest starring? It's a movie! Yeah, yeah. yeah. But he, well, he's, he's like definitely doing physical comedy. You know, he was, they were like, let's have the dad be doing little pratfalls or just like, he's just generally being sort of not a full out, you know, um, John Ritter falling over, but right, you know, right. but well, he's yeah. definitely played so, for laughs. Yeah. But, well, he uh, said, what do you call it? In, in, in an interview? He said, uh, um, cause they're talking about, uh, the director, uh, is a guy named uh, Jack uh, Jack Shoulder. He had no idea about the gay overtones or whatever, but the writer, uh, David Chaskin, said, oh, yeah, he put a lot of homoerotic overtures in the whole movie. Well, the problem is uh, when uh, they talk into Clue, he goes, I didn't get that. I had a hand in my pants one time, but I figured that's boys will be boys. But no. <laughs> he, goes, he goes, but no, I did not get a blowjob on set from whatever the main actor's name is, right? And, uh, you know... <laughs> Right, but that's what he says in an interview. He flat out says, "He goes, I didn't realize." <laughs> Everybody's like, "Nobody asked if yeah. he did. What yeah. if he didn't even know?" He, that was just his way of float. That was he was bragging, is what was happening there. Yes. I think. Oh, wouldn't you? I guess he did have a very pretty mouth. But well, you know, before, we, funny, before you... we get all gay here, I well, just want to say, I got, I got cool watching it here. again, that opening sequence is really well done. The yeah. sound on it's nice. Yeah. yeah. And as soon well, as I saw the school bus, I for some reason I'm like, I know they have to have put Robert Englund as a bus driver. Yeah, he is. Yeah. And he is. And I, as soon one, as yeah. you see it, you can see a shadow of his face. And like when I was and I was like specifically looking for it, it's like, okay, that's his profile. But like that went right over my head in the movies originally because nobody really like pictured Robert Englund. Except as Freddie, and they weren't even thinking of him as the actor who played Freddie at this point, you know, well, until right now. Well, he started getting outrageous, you know. Originally, um, they, they didn't want to pay Robert England what he had asked for. It wasn't anything crazy, but he figured he should be paid because he's this, like the star. And what happened, they said, we'll he just some leverage. Man. Well, they did, the, the problem is they just used a stuntman, so everything's shot out of order. So some of the first things they shot um, are like Freddie walking down, like, like I think it's in the gym where you see this. Anything you see him moving, the guy's walking, like seriously, like doing a really bad Frankenstein monster impression. And you're like, God, this is atrocious. And what happened was uh, Robert Shea was on the set and he goes, holy crap. I don't care what it costs. Just get Robert England in here. This is we can't have this. So that that was how Robert England was able to get back in the movie. Because originally they didn't want to use him. They said, "Well, get some stuntman to do it." Using the Friday the Thirteenth idea, like it's just a guy in makeup. Who cares? And clearly, yeah. 
they, they had not at that point realized. I don't think anyone kind of they knew they had like the makings of a sequel, but they didn't understand franchise yet. But I think they were looking at it like, man, this guy's like this. Robert England is the franchise. Yeah, he you know? really. Yeah, he really breathed life into this into the yeah. character and. Yeah. And, the, and the thing about that that school bus sequence, we're we're five minutes into the movie. And we're already more outlandish and fantastic. <laughs> no, and and I mean that. I mean that honestly. I don't mean outlandish as in ridiculous. But it's the you know we we talked about this on the last nightmare episode. Is that you know when we're we're seeing things happening and it's not you know it's it's okay we're seeing it in the real world. We're not sure what's happening in a dream. This is clearly not reality. <laughs> clearly, we, you know, with the well, well I mean, besi- besides the fact that they're in Ohio when they drive into the desert, <laughs> but the idea that the bus is teetering, <laughs> the bus is teetering on the on the the cliff, like at the end of the Italian Job, you know. Well, that's and, what I like. Uh, it goes from green grass, and all of a sudden, it's like it's basically he's just like, now we're in another dimension, and now we're dropping into hell. <laughs> you right. Know, so, but but this I think would more inform what we would get more with the series. This idea of the fantastical, you know, this idea, this. Kid can't yeah. be real because it's a dream and because it's a dream it doesn't have to be the alley behind the elm street house it doesn't have to be you know uh the whatever it doesn't have to be the boiler it can be anything because it's a dream and you can dream anything so we're like i said five minutes into the film we've already kind of a sta- uh, changed the direction from what was a st- well established in the first film and gone kind of off in a different direction that would be embraced by the series going forward to the to the I mean all the way straight through the end that would be embraced that concept of ha- having something outlandish and bizarre because it's a dream you're not bound by well why are they there well because it's a dream and it gets when you can answer every question that way mm-hmm. and I was like well why why is the bus on the cliff because it's a dream it's like oh, okay you know you start why thinking, there's oh. so many gay overtones in this well, because it's my why? dream Oh, no, there's so many gays in this movie. I'm sorry, sorry. Well, because David yeah. Chaskin wanted to, he that's what he intended to write. He wanted his, the whole point was this, and that the, the that's the, the David Chaskin was working for New Line in some form or another. He had done um, some stuff for them, and they had a treatment. And then uh, Jack Shoulder actually had done all their trailer work. That's where he was an editor. That's why he, he shot the movie. That's you know that's why he never ever heard of these guys before this um or maybe after um the whole point was he he wanted to put he said well what's scarier for a kid you know uh growing up with not know and not understanding you know their sexuality and like isn't that a nightmare if you're if you might be gay and you don't know you are and like all these things and i'm i mean again <laughs> that's that's so 80s is the it is the real nightmare well, is. on elm that's street is you could be gay <laughs> exactly and i think that's part of the problem now remember when, when they, they, they again they brought in people to, to interview for it. Now Mark Patton got the role. Mark Patton is an openly gay actor now, but at the time Mark Patton was not openly gay. Kind of people knew it, except for obviously the director and some other people. But he was open. He's he is now. The other people who interviewed for this role, the main, the the, the three yeah. main people that had down to John Stamos, Christian Slater, and Brad Pitt. Right <laughs> now, think about this. Christian are, Slater would have been interesting. Yeah. yeah. Well. Yeah. Like, <laughs> What an unlikable jackass as the hero of this film. <laughs> yeah. It would be, be very hard for some shots, though, because he's so amazingly short, they'd have to like film it from far away. Um, <laughs> what I'm saying, <laughs> it's okay, he's not listening. I was going to say, if Christian Slater's listening, we apologize, but you yeah. know, we don't, we, we, we specifically do not endorse any celebrities on this show, and. Uh, no celebrity specifically endorse our show, so it's it's give and take. Yeah, yeah. no, we're more so, likely to like drag them down than <laughs> endorse them. 
I, but, I, uh, endor- I endorse Christian Slater's performance as Arkansas Dave Rudabaugh in Young <laughs> Bastion Town. Can't wait to see the wait, women. Can't wait to see the women. So, um, what I'm saying is, so uh, you know, that that was what he originally came out and said. That was the idea. Now, um, whether or not people knew or didn't know or any of that stuff, it's all kind of conjectured at this point. Like people are like, well, we kind of had an idea. Like if you watching the film as a little kid when we were younger and it was all cut up, you kind of missed some of that stuff because you kind of were looking for Freddy Krueger. You wanted to see like a horror movie. When you watch it now, you know, as you're an adult, you're like, oh my, oh God, like how, how could we have missed this? You know, um, I mean, but they, they kind of were, they didn't know what they were doing at the time because they're like, well, we don't know what we have. There was never an idea. Wes Craven never said there's going to be a sequel to this movie. Like, so it wasn't like they had a treatment and they changed it up. They, they said, well, we need a treatment. Great. I mean, it got to the point where eventually in the, in the Nightmare on Elm Street series, they had a release date and a poster before they had a script. Yeah. So, uh, because the movie's just guaranteed to make money. And I'll give you an example. This movie budgeted at $3 million. You got basically twice the budget of your previous film. It made $30 million. So, what they were looking at was, if we could make 70%, so they made 25, almost $26 million in the first one. They figured, if we could make about $20 million, this would be a great success for us. They wound up making... 30 million over 30 million dollars like to 30 million be just the US and then whatever they made over in Europe because in Europe they ate this this was it they loved this movie <laughs> they ate it up you know of course. they loved it they loved the yum erotic uh, 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 overtones they were like they got it because over there remember in Europe not things that play well in America don't necessarily play well there and vice versa right i mean we watch movies all the time, especially nowadays. You see things coming out of Europe. You're like, I just don't get this. And it's like the biggest grossing movie of the year in whatever country. And you're like, oh, I guess so. And then the movies that are huge here, they just can't stand over there. This was a movie clearly that, you know, it made its money here. Don't get me wrong. It made a lot of money. It made, you know, the, the next few, the next two sequels especially made a ton of money. Um, but they really, they really like kind of bought into this and were like, sure. And if you think about it, this movie is very different than the first one in a lot of ways but one of the main ways is this this is truly a possession story not yeah. a nightmare story think about that oh yeah Freddy it's Kr- like a haunt it's a haunted house possession story and not a revenge yeah. everyone that freddie kills in this movie is outside of a dream yep. no one dies in a dream oh, yeah, in this movie. yeah which, which leads to which leads to some oddball stuff it does and, and, and well and because the, the the main one and i've got the notes written here is is uh, the gym teacher yeah, it's Schneider, isn't it, or something yeah. like yeah. that? Whatever, and yeah. it's like, okay, so it's my my notice is is Jesse a dream master? How does this work? Is he dreaming? Is he sleepwalking? Is he actually at the 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 strap gay bar? You know, Bob Shea is your bartender. Bob <laughs> Shea's a bartender. Yep. And, and, uh, who who drinks that. beer out of a little high, uh, no uh, rocks glass like See, that? I, th- but anyway. I think I, I think at that point he probably thought he was dreaming. And it was, and Freddie, you know, there there were probably levels of how Freddie was possessing him. But before we get into that, okay, the first five minutes were the school bus, right? Yeah. In the next yeah. five minutes in this movie, I have this down in my in my notes. In the next five minutes after that, within five minutes, you have Dick adjusting, yep. Um, yep. pantsing with ass exposure, followed by wrestling mm-hmm. with one person still pants, two two males wrestling. And then the coach saying, assume the position. Assume the position. And then while, whilst assuming the position, which is push-ups, one of, the, one of the kids tells the other that the coach is queer and hangs out at S&M joints. 
But he's uh, not wrong. So ten minutes into the movie, we've got all that <laughs> I'd also, to work I'd also with. Like, and I'd also like to point out that the two male leads are now who have assumed the position have sweat pouring off of them. Oh, oh my God! Every, as they, every as they scene put, as with they him, thrust. he wakes up. It's like they literally just drip. It, you know how right they like down. sort of like will pat someone down with water to make him look sweaty. This he looks like he's been just splashed at Mount Splashmore and. <laughs> And, and and they're just dripping sweat as they're thrusting up and down off the ground. I mean, oh, you know, I'm not I'm not one of these guys that sees homoerotic overtones and everything, but come on. Yeah, it's <laughs> I'm thinking it's a sort of Jeepers Creepers situation going on here. You know, a little uh, little X Men going on. You know what? I'm was uh, was Jack Shoulder gay? I thought he was. No, no, Jack Shoulder's not. David. Oh, I don't know if Jack Shoulder is. Okay, I honestly, he he flat out says he had no knowledge. That any of this stuff had any uh, homoerotic overtones, but the uh, writer David Chaskin, I, I'm almost pretty sure he is. Um, again, well, I, I think the actors were picking up on it, and if they weren't, yeah. they're I don't know. The <laughs> actors all knew, but the actors knew that Mark Patton was gay. Oh, okay. Like, they knew he was, and it wasn't, and it wasn't a big thing. They're like, all right, they cast yeah. the movie. He he even came out and said he he became the first male scream queen. He oh, I know. He's got the, the William Shatner scream. He screams the top of his lungs the entire movie. Yeah. Hey, the scene where he looks at his hand in the shower and the gloves on it, he screams. <laughs> like, yeah. There's no other scream like that. <laughs> but I gotta say, I gotta oh say, in, in the people. 80s, in the 80s, guys who weren't like jock, you know, if you weren't a jock nerd or if you were sort of like, like trying to be like the, the I, I don't know what the like description a- of them would be. But, you know, you it, were, but the you, 80s were very were, gay. The 80s well, were, style in school. You'd, you'd see these guys with like feathered hair. Like that guy, like he looked, he had feathered hair and, and just sort of gawky and stuff. And probably actually a lot of them actually were gay. But well, they were they were they were the snams, you know. They were sensitive new age males. Right, right. But like <laughs> during that no, time sir, period, you know, we, never we, we nope. used to call them we used to call them snads on two K five sensitive new age Decepticons. But I've all you know that's always been, <laughs> you know, he's he's a sensitive new age guy. He's 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 what well, would eventually become the Metro. See, some of oh, what, like geez. in my school, it was even that they weren't even the like sensitive guys. There a lot of them were like uh, just the party popular kids, and that was the hair. It just the the hair and the 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 uh, you know a pink button up shirt and and feathered hair was not like With the considered pop not masculine then or like looked at as like oh okay and the, and the popped collar and the bugle boy pants and the Benetton coat yeah <laughs> it was it, it was yeah so like members only jacket members know, only oh, jacket yeah. the, the loosely federated colors of Bennington so <laughs> well well I mean all of this just instantly makes this movie from just sort of a warmed over remake to all of a sudden something in it. it yeah. There's something interesting going on and it's hilarious as a piece of the eighties, but then it's also, you know, I mean in the last 10, 15 years, as far as like public consciousness about like what the gay lifestyle is like and how people think about it and are like, you know, react to it is so radically different than it was in what was which what year was this like 85? 85, 85. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, a year later. So I was I was like a junior in high school. So it was just, yes, it's so completely different. It's so amazing what 30 years will do to a movie. 
It's the oh, same yeah. movie, but when I watched it this time, <laughs> it's yeah. a completely different movie. And then it's like, then you're starting to wonder. It's like, did the did the writer do this? Is this is this something the actors got together? And, but there's definitely some subtext here. But it was so under There's the no radar. subtext. It's just it's, text. That's what yeah, I'm yeah, that's text. what you say it's now. Not even subtext anymore. That's what we all say now. But like in the movie theater, I don't think, you know, and now I'm going to have to go back and see if I can find like old Siskel and Ebert reviews of this and and stuff like this and see if Rotten Tomatoes has any reviews of this when it came out to see if anybody was because if if people put it in there to be subversive, it's almost like to be subversive rather than to have anybody go like, oh, you know, this is a. A warmed over horror movie, but it also has an interesting, you know, storyline where it could also be about a, a kid coming out of the closet or trying to figure out his sexuality in in high school and blah, blah, blah. But none of that ever. I've never heard any of that, you know, discussed about it when it came when it came out. So, no, it's so, all been kind of after so the fact. it was yeah. so it was super mm. subtext then. But now it's like screaming on the surface. <laughs> Well, and you know that the flaming funny thing, yeah, is that is that what you know what once you're looking for connective tissue, oh yeah, you find it everywhere. Mm -hmm. So the little one that made me laugh like way more than it should have, That's uh, which I've always done, dun dun But uh, it was uh, it, I, I owe it to the fact that I was only on my first cup of coffee and it was about six twenty in the morning when Jesse and well, first off, Jesse you were dancing watching when this he's cleaning his room in the morning. Okay, yeah, yes. well, that's, <laughs> that's the only time I was able to that's get. That's why you're here, man. <laughs> spoken as someone who doesn't have kids, you had to get up at six twenty in the morning. I'm like, I'm like six twenty, dude. You have no, okay. no six twenty. I was half an hour into the movie, is what I'm That's saying. What I'm saying, but, yeah. Like that, but that, the um, he's no, not so, starting. He's half. No, but but first, but first off, when Jesse dancing when he's cleaning his room, <laughs> it's just like you oh. dance. Screw women. Let's just go dance. You know. It was and, even. Um, there's some stuff about yes. that too. No, but but even Almost but beyond. No, but right right after that, right after that, when Lisa comes up and she's helping him clean his room, and they're putting away the stuff, and they find Nancy's diary, hey, which was not you're talking a about probe. Probe. No, yes, it's in my notes too. Probe. <laughs> I have, pro yeah, I have, I have a probe game here. Probe is a good game, actually. It's a, it's a, it's an old, like a code breaking style but game. I'll but I'll never play it. No, now because it's now it's kind of creepy, you know. Well, okay, so so no, the probe. dancing uh, the side probe. note, side note, a good friend of mine in college, um, once, <laughs> once was out making out in a car with a a, a girl we knew, and One he came Parker into the house girls? and he was drunk, 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 and he's like, I was just making out with this girl we knew. And I was gonna go down on her, but I decided to send down the probe first. And he holds up his hand, which he immediately like smacks right under my nose, and with which had the most hideous swamp like oh no. oh like no. panic sweat swamp, oh. horrifying nasty. Or and I was just like, it was one of those things where I was like flailing backwards with my hands waving, and he just. <laughs> Swamp That's why I always send out the probe. <laughs> wow. Good lord. Okay. Wow. Was it so, so the dance was scene, it? uh 
supposedly uh, my, uh, uh, Mark Patton said uh, originally that he had invented all that and he was very nervous about doing it. They shot it last. He said, just roll film. Whatever I do, just film it. We'll use it. And they were like, great. This is the last shot. We got to get it done. And he went into like you know, b- bouncing his butt on the uh, the drawer three times, pretending to masturbate and all that stuff like that. And then later, because that's what he said in the, later, and this is must have been after they filmed um, uh, Never Sleep Again. He said, no, all of that was in David Ch- uh, Chaskin's script. I did exactly what he said. Three bumps on the drawer, pretend to masturbate, all this stuff. So there's kind of some controversy, not controversy to say, but it's kind of, but Chaskin's never come out and said one way or the other. No one else had ever backed up the story. But Mark Patton originally had said he had come up with that dance on his own. Um, it's it's definitely, a, a, you know, if he did that all on his own, okay, I could see that. Or if it was in the script, I could see that. I mean, it's clearly not, uh, what's his face, Crispin Glover from part, uh, was it part six or part four, excuse me, where that's his actual dance he used to do in the clubs. Yeah. Um, I mean, <laughs> I can't imagine anyone doing this dance. Uh, you know. Oh, I can. No, but I'm, I'm saying well, this, the, he's the, jumping around or whatever. Teenagers like, in the 80s were not cool at all. And when, yeah. they, <laughs> and when they tried to be cool. This is why they die in droves in these movies. Well, that's the thing cool. is, these movies are funhouse exaggerations of it. But they weren't that far from, like, <laughs> I mean, I got to say, white white teenagers in 1985, when they were like, come on, and put on their sunglasses <laughs> and, like, slap in this tape, let's get this rolling and do some dancing, they did that shit, and it was not cool that, at all. The whole reason that scene was included in the movie was because Risky Business mm-hmm. had that dancing, and they were like, we could totally have a Risky Business scene I here. can't believe that, they didn't put him in his underwear for it. That's what I'm saying. It's like, so... Because we already why, do see him in his underwear earlier in the movie. Yeah. Yeah, but that's why I think, that's why I think... And, and I gotta say, that dick adjustment was not just like an improv. That was... <laughs> that The way it was framed and the way it was staged, that was... That someone said, you gotta adjust your dick. Yeah, you know what? You know what else is what else is funny. I'm dead about. serious. Yeah, I believe it. But you know, what I else, didn't see else? a credit saying "dick adjuster" in the dick credits. Adjuster. He adjusted his own it's dick, but someone script. said, "You know what would be a real natural thing for a kid to do? You would just sort of reach in and just sort of like move your dick around because it might be a little hard." <laughs> <laughs> no, the uh, the the oh, other God. the other line from that scene that I love because we mentioned in the last nightmare film that uh, Nancy says, uh, my God, I look like I'm 20 years old, is Lisa, when they're looking at the, uh, it's from five years ago. Do you know her? No, that's way before my time. (laughs) (laughs) And it was, though, five years. Five years is an eternity when you're in high school, you know. But the problem is, again, five years is a third of your life for crying out loud. But the problem is, she says that, but the movie's set supposedly in 1986, right? So it's two years, isn't it? So it couldn't be because Nancy's supposed to be taking place. It's not like that takes place in 1980. Like, it's supposed to be taken present day. Like, it just doesn't make sense with the timeline. Well, again, it's a dream. I'm not... It's a dream! It's a dream! <laughs> doesn't his girlfriend look like a young Kathy Meryl, Griffin? Meryl, Meryl Streep. Yes! That's no, Kathy Griffin. She looks like Kathy Griffin. I have the note that when they're making out, it's like, I don't need to see Kathy Griffin slash Vicky Lewis. I was getting all screwed up. I was, I was getting they all screwed up. because she looked like Meryl Streep. That's why that well, I, But the thing is, is that I, I don't like Kathy Griffin, but I do like Vicky Lewis. So to me, that was a little upsetting. I didn't like the idea of Vicky Lewis being in this movie. So I kind of shifted towards <laughs> Kathy Griffin because I don't care if oh, Kathy Griffin. I mean, well, she's fucking awful. For a second, you know, I thought... <laughs> For a second, I thought the Vicky Lewis has class, man. She was in Finding Nemo and News Radio. 
For a second, I thought the gym the gym coach was the guy who played Q. Oh no, no, there was no. A, something about the quality of his voice that reminded me of some... John Delancey. Yes, that I could see it. I could see it. I can see that. You know, and ass whipped in the shower. <laughs> Again, all, I mean, this all male tail. nudity. All there's some side boob in this, but otherwise, it's all male nudity. And they no, had such an right. opportunity with that party. To yeah, throw yeah. in some boobies. Well, and, and, you know, and, and I tell you what, I mean, talk about all male nudity and, and just male focus, you know, is that um, first off, I know when I was in high school, when I was making out with a girl, I did everything in my power to avoid her boobs at all costs. You did. <laughs> just like just like Jesse does in this movie. But then on a more serious note. He the, just pushes them to both sides. Yeah, it's like, well, oh, yeah, breastbone, breastbone, breastbone. Okay, you can pretend it's a boy, pretend it's a boy, pretend it's a boy. Um, <laughs> but, uh, no, so after oh, but man. after that, after that, at, when, at the party, when all hell breaks out at the party, the only characters we see killed are boys. Yeah. Freddy yeah. kills a bunch of, kills three boys himself, right, and then he's... the other one is trampled to death. No girls are shown being killed in that party. Freddy How, be, has forget, become his forget, raging id. Exactly, but forget forget about forget about the homoerotic subtext. How bizarre and unusual is that for a slasher movie that you've got a pool party filled with bikini girls and not a single bikini girl gets killed? Yeah, that Freddy, that's just outlandish. You see, Freddy is his his destroying the root of his conflict. <laughs> Freud, you've been pitching that all <laughs> night, man. <laughs> I'm pitching a lot of stuff. <laughs> you both been pitching yeah. There's a lot of roots in this. I mean. Think about the scene where he goes. The scene where he goes over to his friend's house. He's like, "Can I sleep here?" No. The, the no. friend actually goes, "And why are you here sleeping with me?" You know. <laughs> well, and it's right after. About- it's like you, you could totally see like this kid's like conflicted. He's making out with his girlfriend, and he's like, "Why isn't Mister Weasley getting uh, aroused at all?" I keep thinking of you know my. My well, friend over there and what he's doing, you know, why am I not thinking about this? What the fuck is going on with my tongue? And then he runs away and goes to see, <laughs> yeah. well, see he the guy and then he, he murders says, him. Right. He says something wants to get inside of me. He goes, uh-huh. yeah, and it's, it's over. It's yeah. And she's over there in the cabana. Yet you want to sleep with me. Yeah, and it's yeah, like, exactly. Like, is there's again. Well, I mean, even, even no, that, subtext, so, no, no, it's right out no, on no, the but, table in but 2016. Even, but even the first half, of, but even the first half of that line is a little oddball because he says something wants to get inside of me, and for any and uh, and Grady says, yeah, and it's back in that cabana. So so what? Uh, Lisa wants to get into Jesse. Does Jesse well, feel the need to be penetrated well, instead of? Instead Maybe of being really doesn't cool quite understand on. sex yet, you know. I mean, that, I mean, it, that's possible too. That he I don't know. know. He's listening to he's Frank like, well, Zappa. You, you put, he's you... probably getting laid like crazy. Well, he also like King Cobra and uh, you know a couple other of those cool things. <laughs> right. Oh no, he had a Lamal poster. Lamal, yeah. Was... <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> he was for the white. He was definitely eclectic in his for the for the whitest whites use Lamal records, but Coca Cola had Coca Cola had some money in this movie too. I yeah, a lot of prominent. Was right there, but, no, but, 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 I'm, but I'm serious though, because I, I thought that this when I was watching it, it was like he it specifically says get inside me. Yeah, yeah. You know, and that's you know, again, there, there's there's a specific difference there. And it, and you it's, know, when you're when you're sixteen and all you you know, it's uh what does Captain Spawning say? All they want to do is eat and fuck, you know. And so on, <laughs> on top of this, you have not only the parents are dumb, but this is this is bleeding into like his girlfriend is dumb. Oh, Everybody's yeah. dumb. I mean 
He's flat she's, out. At first, he's like, I think I'm going crazy, blah, blah, blah. His parents are sort of in denial, sort of talking about sending him to see, talk to somebody. But they really aren't paying that. They just think he's just like... But he's basically, you know, keeps telling his girlfriend, I think I'm going to kill somebody. I think I killed somebody. I killed somebody. I just <laughs> killed this person. There is, And there she's is just like, now is the time. Yeah. Now is the time for us to make out. But he's, <laughs> he's like, there's literally blood on my hand. Yes. Yes. Right now. Yes. Actually See, on. This, blood. this is actually this is not out. my blood. This is of the person <laughs> I killed. I killed them. I killed them. She's like, it can't be true. It must be Freddy Krueger. And it's just like, wow. <laughs> uh, well, well, you never know. Well, you know, but without her, the, like, she's the one who saves the day at the end by making yeah. out with Freddy. So, you yeah. know. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, I'm just saying this. Like, without her, this movie would keep going on. That's, you know? that's well, right. it, that's, well, yeah, and, and I don't like I Fre said. Freddy is the gay id. Of this right. guy, which is which is, I mean, so weird. You know, there's there's always there's always that one sequel that's a little bit different. You know, <laughs> yeah. Perfect. I was going to bring this. the direction this, so they're like, let's have it, and may, yeah, let's have it. So he's the 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 gay. It's sort of it's sort of like a gay horror version of Forbidden Planet. Sorry, Luke. I know you're not a big fan. <laughs> Uh, we got my brother on the line too, so I got oh. some backup. You ripped the shit out of Forbidden Planet the other day. Well, on my podcast, it's okay. We ripped Cleopatra too, and we ripped a bunch. Of, Dad and I were on just like ripping shit. Yeah. Hey, so. with Cleopatra, Can we did. We did Cleopatra. Cleopatra. But the uh, Forbidden yeah, Planet got to have Robbie the robot, man. Well, we we made a point. We said, "You're like, oh, I'm gonna sit down and watch this awesome." Wow, what the hell was that crap? Anyway, um, the. <laughs> Luke said a good point. Every one of the, the, the like the the main three franchises we're talking about here, right? Nightmare, Halloween, and Friday Thirteenth all have that sequel that doesn't make any sense in kind of the whole entire thing. Which let's be mm -hmm. honest, it's it's Nightmare Two, right? It's it's Friday Part Five where Roy's right. the killer, and it's Halloween Part Three, which has nothing to do with, with Michael Myers. Um, the problem is when we look at those when we look at those. Let's assume those are the three we're going to you know, kind of think about here, right? Nightmare 2 has Freddy Krueger in it, but it's not the Freddy Krueger we get to know. But it's so early that there's still rules are kind of being established. Things are being changed, whatever. So even though this is, you know, he, it's, it's obviously his, his, uh, it's his id and it's like, you know, kind of thing. It's his homosexuality and whatever else there might be involved here. It's kind of like, I would say, uh, more... Not I'd say more excusable in in this sequel than in part five when they're like, oh, Jason's dead now. Roy killed people now. We're gonna have this. I mean, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever because it's just a guy killing people. Like, how can this guy be able to do this, right? Right. We're, you know, whereas like in Halloween three, I feel is always the one that gets kind of shit on for no reason. Halloween three, if it was just called Season of the Witch, right? And, you know, it would have been fine. And well, I think that's and that that or if if the Akkads had gotten their way with what they wanted, right? Where Halloween was going to be an anthology series yes. of films, yes. and that's that like Halloween what they're doing four Overfield now, right? Yeah. Right. So Halloween yeah. four would have been unrelated to Halloween one and two or three. Yes. I think Season of the Witch would be held in higher regard. Right. No, but you're absolutely right. The the rules. It's the rules of Freddy Krueger were still being established at this yes. point. The one that I point to again at the pool party, Freddy now has superpowers in the real world. Yeah. Whereas it was established in the last film, Nancy grabs him and wakes up. He has no powers. He but has is it the real world. Or is it all a dream, man? I tell you what, Inception would have been so much better if uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt fought Freddy Krueger. How cool would that have been? Inception Cobra Commander. Too. 
versus Freddy Krueger to the death. Telling you, that's why we're growing two true freaks every day, so that we can buy the rights to Inception Make our two own movies. and Inception put, put Freddy in it. Inception two, Nightmare Boogaloo. Exactly. It would be a rap. It would be a rap musical <laughs> with Leonardo DiCaprio. It actually won't oh, be geez. Leonardo DiCaprio. It'll be a cheap ass Leo Dica- Di- DiCaprio lookalike, and um, and Freddy Krueger. And then Alice Cooper will have a cameo. Yeah. Sure. Naturally, he'll be. And then, I'm the yeah. master of nightmares, you know. But anyway, the, uh, but uh, no, but uh, so he's got powers in the real world when we've established that 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 he doesn't, yeah. you know. And so that's a big change right there. It's like, okay, so is this. Is this Freddy Krueger reborn in the real world? Is this the dream, the dream master Freddy Krueger somehow crossed over because I, he can use Jesse as a vessel? I, Again, not explained, and I'm okay with that not being explained. But to Jay's point, we we haven't established what the nightmare formula is. Now, the the scene of Freddy Freddy's resurrection is the prototype, you know, the John Cena prototype for what this franchise would become, which was big effects sequences. And you make the film around the big effects sequences yeah. to the point where by the time we're in uh, Never Elm Street Part 5, literally if you watch the credits, each sequence was by a different effects studio and they're yep. called out by name. Yep. Like, this sequence by this studio, this sequence by this studio. So it became almost, you know, whereas the Friday, the 13th films were geek show, this was geek show of another method. This wasn't geek shows. Oh, how is how is Jason going to dispatch these uh, this band of nubile morons? No, it's like, well, what crazy crap is Freddy going to pull on this person in a dream? Right. Is he going to turn into a car? Is he going to suck them into a waterbed? Is he going to trap him in a roach motel or turn him into a marionette? So there's, you know, it became more and more crazy and fantastical. Like I said, it all starts here with the bus at the beginning and then the the resurrection because as you said, that is insane. That is an insane, intense scene and it's so well done from an effect standpoint, especially considering the budget and the time it was made. Mm-hmm. All done in the frame. That is a fantastic thing that holds up. And if you look at transformation effects from the 80s, I put that on par with an American Werewolf in London. Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Well, that's actually one of the things they, they, they talk about, that that was, um, they were trying to do, because the first time that's ever been done on screen, like, it, like there's always got to be a first time, but that was the first time anyone had ever done this. And they said it's even more intense than they had done in, because in, uh, when's, when's, what do you think? 82 when's when's american world 82 or 83, so, 82, 83 but it's before this and they had said that, yeah. that look that's that had been the pinnacle and they pushed it and that's what it comes down to i mean kevin yeager's doing the effects on this and stuff and it's his crew um and he was and he was originally they would want to use the same effects artist but he had been so busy kevin yeager took over and i think we're we, we see that though but isn't that true the case though i mean we saw that with savini where savini's cutting his teeth on these movies like The Prowler and things like that, and you're like, holy crap, this is insane. Because these guys, why their effects, they, they're, they're a true artists, right? He took what, whatever budget they had and just, well, let's make sure this thing works, you know, kind of thing. And, and you know, you're going to see it. Now, does everything work? Clearly, no. But you know what, though? I think in, in when, when you're, when you're, you're talking about a movie that has a budget of $3 million total, you're kind of shoestringing things together and making things work. And they didn't have a sh- super long shoot. I don't know how many days it was, but it couldn't have been much longer than a month. 
You know, I mean, as it was, they shot the pool party scene. It took them six or seven days. So if the pool party takes you six or seven days out of your month, you know, (laughs) well, six or seven days for that pool, that pool party scene has a lot of stuff going on. It's got electrical effects, explosive effects. It's got water boiling. It's got hot dogs and hot dogs, dogs. all the hot dogs. And I have to say. Those poor wieners, they never had a chance. But I do have to say, <laughs> it, the, the, it, this, this is betraying my Daikaiju fanboy, but when the pool water starts roiling and bubbling, it's like, oh shit, Godzilla's down there. <laughs> Nobody would have seen that coming. It's like, no. You know what? No one, no one would have seen if they had a giant Freddy creature and come out. Oh, wait, that's, we're a movie early. We're a movie early, sorry. A giant <laughs> Freddy pulls out of there. It's like, dun, 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 dun. Giant, giant Freddy dun, doesn't dun, pull dun. out. Dun, 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 not, dun, not in part three either. No, oh, oh, hello. Thank God he was green. Oh. No, yeah. I, I took this whole thing that Freddy was becoming like probably as time goes on and he figures stuff out. Freddy's becoming more powerful, and by the time the pool party hit, there were so many people there that he could suck energy from, or like, you know. And the more he got, he got people scared by like sort of poltergeisting it for a while but once he got him to a certain level of fear that was enough for him to come out in the real world and start really messing with people and I don't like that one guy I'm here to help you man <laughs> <laughs> like, I was waiting for him to just the- chop his fingers off that's what I wanted him to do just like when he was holding out his hand and that sort of hey man <laughs> you can't Fred- own property, man. Yeah, Fre- oh, Freddie let him off really easy. I thought he yeah. was going to get his head split in half or something. <laughs> but you think about it, though, like, uh, you know, the, uh, um, well, that that's, I mean, the, again, this being more of a possession movie, they don't go with this theme anywhere else in the rest of the series. So the ideas that are explored here never have a chance to ever grow or be, you know, anything else. It's just like when this movie ends, all right, those ideas are done. Let's get back to some stuff we know we can do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so, um, because to be honest, part three and four, which, I mean, part three is considered to be, outside of the original, by many fans, to be the best movie in the series, and some consider it the best movie in the series, period. It, they made a lot of money. Like, you had a bankable star in Freddy Krueger. You know, not, not necessarily Robert England. I mean, it was Robert England, but it's like, but people knew Freddy. Freddy became the thing, and eventually... I mean, even not even if you hadn't seen, even if you had never seen the Nightmare movies, you knew you know who Freddy Krueger. Oh, you, know you might have watched. There were probably people who were too, kids who were too young to watch the the movies, so they watched the Freddy's Nightmares Freddy's on Nightmares. TV. <laughs> yep, I, yeah, I don't watching think anyone Freddy's watched Nightmares. those. I, I watched watch, it religiously. I remember watching well, Freddy's Nightmares. It used to be on Channel 11 at like 11 o'clock at night. It'd be on after like Tales from the Dark Side. When, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, on, it was on Saturday nights, and it was on at 11 o'clock on our Fox channel, Fox it maybe 31. Was, and yeah, maybe it was Fox instead of WPIX. But I, yeah. I thought it was on. It, it was on our. And yeah, and I would. When, when I was in college, we threw parties every two weeks, and I would. The party by eleven o'clock. That would be just with like ten o'clock. The party would start. Eleven o'clock, people would be like there and drinking, and I would go across the street to the neighbor's house to watch, <laughs> to watch, you know, Freddy's, Freddy's nightmares, and and then go back and then after Freddy's, with sometimes I it was it was a double feature. It was Freddy's nightmares and. 
Friday the 13th. Friday the 13th, the series, yes. Which has absolutely nothing to do with Friday the 13th. But I tell you what, I like Friday the 13th, the series. I want to live Friday the 13th, the series. I want to live in a Honda where all I have are... uh, I I always want... After seeing that, I always want to have... They they banned it from eBay, but on eBay, people used to make a lot of money going haunted doll. Yeah, this is a possessed, <laughs> you know, baby bassinet and stuff. And I just wanted to like grab random things and go, this item, you know, yeah. bends reality and blah blah blah. <laughs> this toaster oven <clears throat> opens portals to other dimensions. Yes, thanks, Homer. Yes, it the also an item. Yeah. Yeah. The problem with uh, Freddy's Nightmares uh, was that it was sold in the syndication. And once it was sold in the syndication, they had no control when it was put on TV. So it might have been shown at 11 o'clock when we were, where we were living. But in the Midwest, they put it on at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. On, like, and it was for, on the weekends. And they were like – and. and Amazingly, the the Midwest and their conservative ideas did not play well with Freddy's nightmares <laughs> huh. on the screen. Oh my! Oh, I, when I heard that, I was like, "Are you joking?" I'm like, "No." What did the conservative Midwest have to say about Nightmare Two, though? <laughs> well, no, sir. Remember, he didn't like it. No, nice. no, sir. No, sir. We don't like it. I think Robert England said it the best. He goes, "Let's be honest here, guys. I think these movies are made for the coast. They're made for the West Coast. They're made for the East Coast. The middle of the country." That's what they are, but they're made for the coast. And he said that about the night, the, the like all the different movies. They're made. It's true. You think well, about that's it, why you never had, and with like the, you know, you never had like Freddie takes, Freddie takes, you know, Provo, Utah. <laughs> well, that's well, why you see, also had nobody calling on him that it takes place in Ohio when they drive out into a cactus-filled desert. Right, exactly. <laughs> because in California, it's like, yeah, that's normal, right? Ohio's like that. It's basically a wasteland, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so what I'm saying is people aren't people aren't looking at like – it's not. I mean, and I'm not saying – and again, any of our listeners in the middle, I'm not, I'm not – I'm just saying is this is what it comes down to. They're they, – the putting – people in on the East Coast – are like, okay, I guess they have that out there. And in California, you have beaches. So it's like, yeah, that's what their life is. And let's be honest, we're not talking talking about movies that are playing to like, hey, let's Bird go scholars. get like, Yeah, right. You well, know? But even but even beyond that, I mean, very little film is aimed at middle America. You know, any genre mm. film or otherwise is, is really aimed at that. It's aimed at, you know, it's it's aimed at being <laughs> You know, it's 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 it it's either aimed at being as populist and uh, you know gen- generalist as possible, right. something along the lines of like I'm thinking, I don't know, the Michael Bay Transformers films. <laughs> well, I, mean, think, I think they're, they're, it's where it's equally offensive to all people with you know synapses, or you get something <laughs> that's you know clearly aimed at the coast. Like you said, it's 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 aimed at the elites, see the ruling class, if you will. It's not you know not no not not them rubes in flyover country. And let me tell you something: I'm in South Carolina. I'm somehow considered flyover country, since uh, even though there's very few places you can get to while flying over me. Yeah, but you know, back in the the heyday of the like Corman Alan Ormsby days of drive-ins, you know, that's where drive drive it. I mean, there were whole there were whole markets in the Midwest and in the South. Of, of filmmakers and dis- distribution people and stuff that that the coast didn't even see. You know, I, right. I didn't oh, that yeah, guy yeah, Ormsby yeah, yeah. used to do no, movies I know. and they the two... show in drive-ins all down south. And well, you know, I mean the the uh, the the uh, the two that always come to mind readily for that is the Killer Shrews and the Giant Heel Monster, <laughs> which were made in Dallas. 
and wow. with the with the specific intent by Ray Kellogg in order to make them make Dallas into you know Hollywood South, <laughs> with the idea that oh, no, but but he, and again he knew he was making you know uh, B movie uh, monster picks, but the idea of showing that hey we can actually produce film on level with the B movie they shot out in Burbank. We've yeah we've got dogs here that'll wear a fur jacket on their back and fake teeth <laughs> like the best of them in Hollywood. Hey, See, I like I like the, the, the cold train is in that. I like I like the giant heel monster. Get your knee up here, boy. You know, but uh, <laughs> but hey, you, speaking again, of your but... knee up here, boy, did you guys catch <laughs> in the very beginning of this uh, in the very beginning of this movie when he wakes up from his first nightmare and his mom and dad come in and his dad's like feeling up his leg? Yes, uh, oh, you yeah. guys notice that? I know oh, you yeah. don't notice that, hero. It's all, it's, oh, I notice everything. It's just, it's just too much after a while. It was, yeah. that was really creepy. I just remembered that. I, yeah. Luke, you, for the, just brought, for the, you just triggered me, Luke. Oh, oh but should I put a trigger warning on the podcast? There's microaggressions in this podcast. Like, Be careful. Man. <laughs> you got four white males talking about, four straight white males talking about a movie of such gay power and overtones, I th- man. I think that's going to be I'm the name. I think that's what I'm going to name my penis set. from now on. Microaggression. Microaggression? <laughs> well, you got the micro, right? Nobody <laughs> leans on microaggression. I, for the I, longest time, I I had, had I had believed that this movie was the script was something else that they shoehorned Freddy into, but apparently that's not the case, and that's blowing my mind yeah, because it is yeah. so. Something wanted to get into this script. But, but here's here's the problem, really. We think about that, right? Because because if you watched any of the Hellraiser movies past like three, you start yes. seeing them shoehorning like like this movie has nothing to do with Hellraiser. Oh, here's Pinhead for some reason, right? Uh-huh. Um, Sometimes yeah, but, that works. Yeah, sometimes Hellraiser it Inferno. Yeah. Sometimes it does not work. Hellraiser debtor. Yeah. Thank you. Um <laughs> <laughs> But I'm saying the problem was they had no script. They knew they needed to get a movie out. Now remember, this came out uh this is November, what, November first eighty five. Nineteen eighty five. Yep, and the first one came out November 9th, nineteen eighty four. So we're talking a year later. And they were like, this is making a lot of money. We got to get some. They said, do we have a script? They went to Wes Craven and he said, no, there's no sequel. They're like, right, but Wes, you know, we could make a sequel. He goes, there's no sequel to this. So they didn't bother. So they said, you know what? They didn't bother asking Nancy Landingham to come back. They didn't, they're like, all right, Wes is out. They tried to cut Robert England out of it. They were just like, we got to make money at this. So the guy who's working at New Line, not as a writer, just as a guy working there. <laughs> I got a script. What's my script? You know, kind of thing, and that's what. And they were like, "Hey, we probably don't have to pay this guy much." I flipped it. it. It's like it's Lakaja Freddy Krueger. Jeez. Oh, um, oh God! Now I'm just picturing Freddy in Birdcage. Well, this this guy had been working there, and he'd been working on his 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 indie movie that was going to be the breakout Oscar winning movie about a young boy in the closet and and. And coming out in high school, and then he just saw the opportunity to make it into a Nightmare on Elm Street movie. I just want to throw this out the real yeah. quick kind of note on here. Um, so, we, I actually, Heather, uh, you know, Heather Landingham, obviously from Just the Ten of Us, one of the Lubbock babes. Yeah. Um, Joanna Willett is in this movie. She's on the bus. She's the she's the frumpier, the smaller, 
sister of the four main uh, Lubbock, Lubbock babes. And we will have one more coming up on part four. Yeah. Um, yes. But I always thought it was funny was, and this is, this is off of two, but I want to, I forgot to mention that when we did one, uh, Wes Craven has always been like, people said, well, you know, your movies are going to cause people to be violent. Your movies are going to cause people to like hurt people, you know, things like that. So Heather Landingcamp actually had a, like, uh, had a stalker um, that was threatening her family and stuff. And she actually had to move to England and she like lived there for a few years because the person was so enraged that just the 10 of us was canceled. And how dare they do that? Oh God. So let's think about how dare they green light just the 10 of us. <laughs> um, just the 10 of us, dude, I, here, you're the right age. Just the 10 of us had a lot of good looking women on it. Now it's no step by step where there was a good looking girl for every single age group, but it had enough good looking girls on it. And it had, you're saying it had stalker the, appeal. Well, what I mean, <laughs> the problem was this was that, um, like, think about it. it's never it's, it's never been like Nightmare on Elm Street that caused her to have this these issues. It was her comedy that was it, it, it was on TV it for a while. That. Yeah, it, it was it, it was part of TGF Fridays. You know that that, well, that whole. I line. mean, comedy kills. Everyone knows that. Yeah, but I, dying is dying is easy. Comedy is tough. <laughs> well, you die at the palace. You really die. Die at, at the, the palace. palace. He yeah, is the a eunuch. <laughs> he, he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> no, the... Why hasn't he been <laughs> just been snipped? So... Have you bullshitted this week? <laughs> no. <laughs> Shall we continue to build another edifice to to our grandeur and ignore the poor? How vote ye? Fuck, Fuck the, the poor. poor. <laughs> <laughs> you all I got is a bax. You want to get in the painting? You go on that side of the table. All I got is backs. Oh, yes. God, so good. Try the mold wine; it's delicious. You know the thing that's funny is just uh, we we've talked a lot about obviously the the you know blatant or otherwise homosexual overtones of this, and the film that I was very tangentially reminded of while watching this is they've got the softball game, the ill-advised softball game at the beginning of this movie, <laughs> and so ill-advised softball games in early '80s slasher movies always brings me back personally to Sleepaway Camp. I knew yes. you were going there. And Sleepaway Camp is another one that features a confused sexual identity because, spoilers on, the killer in Sleepaway Camp is a transsexual. And now you talked about how the the, the Oh, uh, the this is a double feature for sure. Right, right. you talk okay. about the perception of homosexuals changing over the last 30 years. But what about the perception of transsexuals even over the last five years? I mean, you know, we're we're recording this in 2016. I think we all know what's going on. I'm not going to get into the details. This oh no, Sleepaway Camp was definitely a quantum leap past in we're in, yeah. in in that. Sense. No, well, I mean, I mean one, yeah. no, but 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 it present it presents the character, the transsexual character, as a freak and a lunatic. You know, you couldn't get away with that now. Right, that, oh. that, that that being transsexual would drive you so crazy as you would be a serial killer. It's the same in the same in this one. That's like, you know. Oh, let's see. He's conflicted about his sexuality. What would that make you do? Murder. I mean, I think you could probably make some kind of hay out of taking this film and and remaking it with 2016 sensibilities that maybe accepting himself, accepting his homosexuality is what gives him the power to overcome what Freddy Krueger is trying to do to him. It's the monster within of the the self-doubt and the self-loathing that he has to overcome. But I don't want to see that because, frankly, I'd rather see original movies instead of remakes, you know. But that's well, just that, me. Well, that's I, who, problem, I mean, that was though, one of our, the big praises of the first movie was Wes Craven totally sidestepped any kind of storyline drama in the lives of the right, kids. Right, they yeah. were beside the main Krueger's coming to kill us. How do we save ourselves? 
Well, you know, Craven actually on the original script did write in large letters that he gave out to the cast, save the drama for your mama. And so that was kind of the mantra on set. <laughs> well, it's a good I'm rule making, to go by. I'm making that up, guys. That's not real. Please don't. don't no, but you know, he did write on the script for this one was do not produce this. There's nothing to do with this. They said, we're going to make a sequel. He goes, nope. Nope. <laughs> nope. Yeah, they always sent him the scripts and said, hey, any, any notes? And his note on this one was don't produce this yeah. script. Yeah. Well, that's the problem, though, too, because he, he always was, and he said, he goes, well, you know, I'm collecting royalties, because he is collecting royalties from it and stuff. He goes, so they keep making them, and okay, they're going to keep paying me. It sounds like his buddy Steve Miner, you know, or not Steve Miner, excuse me, uh, Sean Cunningham, yeah. who, you know, with Friday 13th, and they're like, well, they're going to keep making them. I'll keep taking a paycheck, yeah. you know, <laughs> which is true. Steve Miner eventually directed some of those Friday 13th. Um, but that's true, though. I mean, it's what happened is that they were like, you're going to pay me. All right. I mean, you know, well, I'm not involved in it, but I think well, it, that's that's even with if like like the remake of Last House on the Left, the quote from Wes Craven was like, well, at this point that he he's so far removed from the films that he almost views them not as his children, but his grandchildren. Right. Yeah, and yeah, the yeah, idea yeah. was like you want for your your kids, you want them to do better and all this. Like by the time you're a grandparent, you just want them to be happy. And he goes, <laughs> and, and if these and if these filmmakers want to come out and remake my movie, God bless them. Do a good job. Make a good movie. Well, I you think know? I, I think. I, I wonder if Wes Craven was speaking when he said do not produce a script more as an artist or as as a stone cold you know this won't make any money I mean I think I would think he was probably speaking more as an artist as like ah, it's not very good and it doesn't you know fit what I I had made for it but you gotta figure the, uh, I, I mean New Line obviously owned the copyright so they could do it and and this movie has the feel of them saying, "Yeah, fuck it, we're going yeah. we're going franchise with this." You know, they put a little more comedy in it. It's a little more exaggerated version of the first, and and you know that the definitely the the Friday the Thirteenth influence, not in the story in the movie itself, but in just in the way they're sort of going forward with it. Seemed very like they 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 were like, yeah, we could make this into like a whole series of movies. Let's get this rolling. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. So yeah. and, and much much to that point, like we said with the first one, another really well done one sheet poster. Back when this oh, was yeah. an important thing, and <clears throat> what's interesting is that of the compared to one and three, which are probably the two most well known one, this is much more obscure. But a wonderful image of, uh, you know, uh, ostensibly Jesse and Lisa embracing and Jesse looking in the mirror and seeing the skull face in his hand is Kruger and the lightning storm and the raven, which has no bearing whatsoever. <laughs> no, it's also, it's, but, it's a, but it's an awesome image. It looks cool. But, yeah. and it, and it, and, but again, it, it's, it may not be, you know, uh, perfectly symptomatic of the story, but it's certainly evocative of the story. It's the beast within. Yeah. And, and the, the stuff of nightmares looking back at you. And it is, in fact, that is, a, you know, a subtle, a, it's almost like a Mario Bava scene here where after he kills Grady and he looks in the mirror and he sees Freddy laughing at himself, you know. Yeah. So he, he's looking at himself in the mirror and seeing Freddy mm-hmm. and he throws the thing and it's, it's the shatters the mirror. Reminds me a little bit of Inferno, except there's not, you know, Matter Ten, um, what is it? Who, who is it? Matter Tenebraum on the other side of it that yes. turns into a skeleton? Well, yeah. Look yeah. at like, but that's still. But again, it's it's it's. I mean, no, it's it's a great image, and it's it's one of the things like the that scene, the scene where Freddy rips his head off, and you see his brain, and the scene where he 
bursts out of Jesse. For all that awesome stuff that this movie does, it just never congeals as a nightmare right. movie. Well, right. but that's part of the problem, too, I think, though, too. They definitely made sure they had those really great scenes and stuff because they knew they had, like, the stupid horse shit of the fucking, uh, uh, you know, uh, the pool party. You had stupid yeah. crap you had to cover around, and they're like, well, you know, maybe if we put really cool shit in there, people I, won't see this stuff. Yeah, it you're was all my children of like, now. It's great. It was like, get it made, and you know what? If this one makes a shit ton of money, then we'll think about it. We'll we'll think of, we we'll we'll buy us a little time to think about it more <laughs> in the next movie. I'm telling you, but they in the were meantime, hoping get for... it out and let's get some good yeah. gore in it, and that will bring them back at least to three. Well, the, the whole point was this: they figured if they could make seventy percent, if they said seventy percent would have been perfect of of what they made in the first one, they said. 50 to 60 percent was great. 70 percent were in were in amazing shape. Well, it winds up making like a hundred and something percent of whatever. Right, right. And they're like, "Well, we didn't think we had this on our hands." And then Bob Shea now is like, "We got a franchise." Now they're like, "We could here. sail this ship for a while." Yeah. yeah. Well, think about it. New Line Cinema was a storefront. We said it's a storefront in New York City, and it, and it just was sold. Well, I don't know. Now it's got to be about eight years ago. Um, whoever. Who bought it was sold to whoever the parent company was for like three hundred billion, like three hundred million dollars. Like we got company, they're making movies on shoestring budgets in thirty days. And really think about it, once the Lord, of the, remember they made Lord of the Rings. They, uh, you know, New Line made Lord of the Rings for Christ's sake. I mean, you're no longer talking about the little tiny you know studio that could. You're talking about a major player in a game. Oscars in billions yeah. of dollars. Sure, you know billions of dollars. That's, Which you know, uh, even like even at the height of probably Nightmare on Elm Street, they probably couldn't imagine Lord of the Rings. Of course not. No, no, no. Well, the, you know the when when you know when when you're living. It's it's like the fish in the water thing, you know. It's a popular phrase that the fish know he's living in water. When all you know is making films yeah. relatively cheap and turning a profit, and you know being tidy with it, and uh, you know keeping costs under control and milking your franchise is the idea of a mega budget, mega epic that's gonna win Oscars. Doesn't seem like it's potentially in the wheelhouse. See, but I'll bet you. I'll bet you, and Peter Jackson just by the way he makes movies, and I'll bet you with New Line. I'll bet you they pulled in um, Lord of the like if 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 Warner Brothers oh had, everybody passed with, on with Lord a of different the with oh, a, yeah. yeah but Warner Brothers and Steve, like Steven Spielberg or Warner Brothers and some other director decided to do exactly that Lord of the Rings you know they shot it exactly the same way I'll bet you it would have been probably twice as expensive as Absolutely, Peter sure. Jackson and New, New Line did because. They, well, because it was, Jackson, probably, it was a lot of money that they spent on it, but they got it like been, probably twice the movie of what Hollywood would yeah, have gotten out of it. It, it. it could have been, yeah, it could have been so much more money that they spent. Peter on it because, Jackson knows all the tricks of saving money too. Exactly, because Jackson came up as an independent poverty yeah. row filmmaker too. So he, yeah. the struggle is real. You know, he knows the score. <laughs> so I'm, I mean, it's it's serious. You know, I've been it's funny. I've been reading uh, this past week. Uh, my brother um, a while back got me an issue of Scream magazine. That was a 25th anniversary retrospective on Mystery Science Theater 3000, and in it they're not interviewing. They're no, they don't actually interview anybody from Missy except Joel. That's right. Yeah. 
but they interview a lot of the directors of the films that were featured. And it's the um, nice. it's the guy who directed um, uh, a lot of made happy, a lot of made happy. No, well, to be fair, the what's his name who directed Squirm is really pissed off. The rest, yeah, Charles right. Band was delighted. He's because they Joe did Lieberman. Laser Blast. Joe Lieberman's pissed. Joe Lieberman is pissed. Like, well, Squirm, all they were doing is fucking Zachary, man. It's like, have you seen the show, dude? Have you seen the yeah. show? It's like, have you yeah. seen your movie Squirm? It's not that good, okay? Squirm. Right. No one knew what Squirm was. Then Misty did Squirm, and all of them Squirm's now available on Blu-ray and DVD and the whole nine. And, yeah, know, sorry, but. Um, no, but they're they're talking to um, um, they're oh who's his name? They're talking to um, Russ Hagen, who yeah. did who who produced the Side Hackers and um, did the other one uh, was it the Wild Rebels? Did the, the two yes. motorcycle movies? And he's talking about that you know he said uh, you know that we were we were all just kids learning how to make movies and we learned the hard way. And if we got screwed by a producer, then we that producer said I did that to teach you a lesson. Never do this. And the next time you make a movie, you'll know not to do that. And and uh, you know, say talk about the idea of, of learning how to do this. And so guys that have that in their background, you never forget those lessons. You know, Jackson, his movies, like his, you know, he, he might have gotten the mega budgets on Lord of the Rings and King Kong and stuff, but he he didn't forget the lessons of making bad taste and meet the feebles. Well, it's you know? like, and then when you get that much money, why not get twice as much out of it? You know, exactly. twice as much movie out of it. Well, that's the other thing too is with Peter Jackson is he. He clearly, you know, loves the stuff he's doing. You got he wasn't he wasn't just taking a you know like well I'll take this money and I'll make this up. He loves Lord of the Rings. He wasn't just taking it to just you know whatever. I mean he oh yeah he, it was obviously like lifelong dream yeah. type material. You know you know Peter Jackson to me always I mean I, I always kind of link him up with uh, Guillermo del Toro in my head yeah. um, because again there was always those rumors of them working on movies together and whatever. But they do things they love. Right, you don't see movies that are them churning it out to make a profit. They're making movies they love, so they're going to do the best they can do with it. So if they're looking at it going, huh, I have whatever the the budget I have is, but I really want to make this the best picture possible. How can I do that? Well, I can do that by filming it in New Zealand, or I can have it, you know, by this or by this or by this, and getting you know quality actors that are not, you know, think about it. In Lord of the Rings, there's no name before Lord of the Rings. Right. There's yeah. no it's, it's not like The Rock in Lord of the Rings. It's really funny. How awesome would that have been? <laughs> it would have been as <laughs> as Frodo. I think him as, as Frodo, Frodo would have been hysterical. Oh, uh, oh, I can't carry the ring. Oh, what? Uh, it doesn't matter if you can carry the ring. Christopher Watkins, <laughs> Lord of the Rings. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? Ooh. So when you have a movie before it's been when people say Lord of the Rings, they say Lord of the Rings. I'm, sorry, I'm, I'm yeah. sorry. I just Christopher Watkins. Tell me, where is Gandalf? For I much desire to speak with him. He like Jeff Goldblum. He'd be a good golem too. <laughs> or Jeff Goldblum. One does 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 not simply uh, oh, walk uh, into Mordor. Just simply not done. Oh no, it's, it's just not it's not at all done at all. And you 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 patented it and you licensed it and you slapped it on a plastic lunchbox and oh, and, it, and it's wrong and it's just wrong. There you go. <laughs> So, but you know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's you know, I, I liken it to this uh, talk about guys who made movies. Like, we remember we talk, we talk about Cronenberg and things like that. Cronenberg's movies, they don't have huge budgets, right? What's Cronenberg's most mainstream movie? The Fly. The, the Fly. Fly. And I would not call that a mainstream movie necessarily, but it's his, his most mainstream movie, right? It was a mainstream hit, that's for sure. Yeah. It was, but I'm saying, but there's The Fly is certainly not a movie like the, the normal, you know, Joe Public on the street. It was, like, it was you know? normal enough so Joe Public could go like, 
Wow, yes. that movie was really weird, but I liked it. <laughs> yes, exactly. But it's certainly not. This is oh. brilliant. I have no idea what's going. On. Yeah, but they're not going. They're not going to sit through video drama no, as no, well. Exactly. Yeah, it's a video drama existence yeah. or crash. Yeah, I'm saying it, but like so. So you're talking about those kind of directors. We're talking about people who are in that level, and and I think Peter Jackson and Wes Craven and John Carpenter, and I mean these are the kind of guys who fall in there. Why do we consider them to be the masters of what they do? Because they're able to do things that other people just can't do now and i'm not taking anything away from guys like james cameron or steven spielberg or you know george lucas or whatever but there's a reason why the guys who can make up you know take a you know, 1.8 million dollar budget and turn it into looking like you know like you had a five million dollar budget why because they know how to cut the corners where they need to cut yeah you absolutely. accentuate the positives and you hide, hide the, neg- the negatives yeah i mean so, the, the and, movie and, dark star i mean we covered dark star with mm-hmm. don carpenter that's yeah. like there you see like he and dan o'bannon right off the top you see that it was a student film, but then all of a sudden they said, make this and George Lucas with THX 1138. Those were all guys that had to take, go right from college and take one of their movies and expand it into a, you know, a, a real movie. And they, and they got, they cut their teeth, but they also cut their teeth on something really cheap, you know, yeah. that they had to right. like, really stretch to get what they wanted out of it a movie in space and in a movie in a dystopian underground world yeah you know so and i and i think part of what we're, we're, we see there is that you know that that willing to kind of like well they love what they're doing will take a chance doing what's out there and and i think that's one of the reasons why uh the, the original nightmare on elm street was able to carry that i think that's some of what again it's not this this nightmare 2 is certainly not on that level um, but you got to give them props for trying something different. Yeah. You know, they were like, for all we know, what if this is what caught on? Yeah. Right. You know, yeah. what if, what if it became Freddie was possessing people and became a spirit of possession and whatever. And that was what three, four five, whatever became. Right. We'd be starting to talk about like, wow, that was crazy. This is what it is. Or maybe the movies would have died off after three. But I think yeah. what happens is sometimes you have to take a misstep. Um, you know, to kind of find the right path. Yeah, well, I mean, we saw that with Friday the Thirteenth. I mean, as much as God. as as enjoyable Holy as Five God. was as a movie, and yeah. if you don't believe me, go listen to our episode we did with Mike with Mike Bailey, where he, you can you can plainly see his honest affection for that film, and I yes. and I love that. I love anyone who honestly loves a movie that other people sure. don't like. Um, but then if, if you don't make five, do you get six? Do you get yeah. Jason lives? And if no. you don't get Jason lives, do you get the balance of the series? And do you get Freddie versus Jason? You know, so the, it's, it's one of those things that you, uh, you know, it, it's what you have over a, a case of your favorite beverage, you know, uh, if it's, whether it, whether it be, you know, uh, your favorite, uh, beer or, um, IBC root beer in Jay's case. You know, I find that Mountain, it, I find Mountain, that Mountain Dew, Mountain Dew like uh, like like you and Doc, you and Doctor Bill should hook up and do Dude. a Mountain Dew podcast. That I, I I put the picture up the other day. I said, look, it's a family reunion, and oh, immediately I forgot who it was. Uh, someone put up, uh, hey, what uh, uh, Shine didn't make it. Yeah, I was like, Sorry. well, you know, well, Supernova though didn't make it. I used to drink that one all the time because they had it at the salvage store. But um, <laughs> go on. Uh, so no, but but uh, but my. 
but the point is, is that, you know, it's one of those things that when you, you know, one of those what if scenarios, if yeah, this yeah. does, if X doesn't happen, what happens to Y kind of thing? It's, you know, uh, we, we, we talk about this in comics, we talk about this in film, and we can sort of talk about it with horror because, you know, when you get right down to it, this is a reductive genre. We, ultimately, you know, when something is hailed as a new idea just because there's very few of them anymore. You know, so if you change that idea and you go in a different direction, it's uh, will it hit or will it, will it flop? You know, if 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 the you know if uh, if Saw is a failure, oh yeah, what does that do to the American the domestic horror scene there, which was coming off of the you know what if the remake of the you know Renew, what if the the Ring is a failure? Do we get all those J horror imports? What does that do to the J-horror movies in Japan? Do they keep making them? Because they started making a lot of them because they said, wow, we can sell these to other countries now. Yeah. You know? So yeah. it's, it's one of those things. It's, you're, you're right. It's, it's an interesting point. What if this one had caught on and the idea of the Dream Warriors and the Dream Master and all that never comes to fruition? What does that mean for the series? You know? Yeah. Maybe, I, I, maybe, you get, maybe you get a Freddy versus Jason down the line where Freddy's trying to possess Jason Voorhees. Uh, there was one of the, actually was one of the yeah. ideas for that the was one of the when, ideas exactly. When we get to Jason versus Freddy, when we finally cover that, that you know, there's that's going to be the ten years leading up to the movie, and then the movie, <laughs> they're totally different. It's going to be the the jawsomest jawsomeness ever because it's so <laughs> awesome, and I mean that so awesome. It's so awesome. I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna. I'm gonna play like the Miz's music when I come in. Just yell, awesome. Well, I was so, gonna say, I, everything awesome. after this is virgin territory for me. But I did see Freddy versus Jason, so I guess I have seen another one of the. Then you've seen you've seen some highlights from the later films. I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm at, right at the beginning. They show some highlights. Yes, they yeah. do. Are you kidding me? That got that got literally cheers and screams of approval. When they showed, there were certain scenes, I'm not going to give away which ones, in the montage at the beginning of Freddy vs. Jason, when I saw it in the theater. Both times that I saw it in the theater. And uh, I'm not going to lie, one time I saw it at the Dollar Theater, and peop- there was a lot of people yelling at the screen in that <laughs> <laughs> But in any event, Nightmare on Elm Street 2, like I said, um, it, I, 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 agree with, I agree with Jay. I like that it takes, it takes a chance, it does something different. This could have been a straight rehash, just a gender swap of the original film. Oh, it a, probably a straight rehash? A straight rehash. Mmm, yes. Mm. What's the matter with you? I had a stroke. But uh, <laughs> they could have done it as a straight-up rehash, gender swap of the original film, and it probably still would have made the money. So yeah. I get given credit for doing something different, even if it is somewhat of a misfire. It, it it kept me entertained, and ultimately, that's really what I'm asking for. I mean, yeah, it, it's not as original or as, or as innovative as the first one, but what movie is other than The Godfather Part Two or maybe Empire Strikes Back, right? So as long as your movie entertains me and keeps me... Uh, you know, diverted for the the time that it th- thrashes about on the stage. I'm happy with it. So I, I thought this was a success. Yeah, yeah. I, I I'm one of the people that doesn't actively hate this movie. <laughs> I really do enjoy watching this one. Well, I was indifferent to it before, but now it, it it's just taken on so many other levels that it's actually it, it makes it fun, not yeah. good, but fun. <laughs> and, and but like and. But it makes it interesting, you know. Exactly. It, it, it's like the first one when I watched it, I'm like, this is a way better movie than I rem- I remember it being a good movie. But this is a really good movie, and you know, there's some really interesting directoral things going on, blah blah blah. 
This one, not so much with that. Although there is some nice little nice work with sound and editing and stuff in it and pacing and tone. And practical effects. And the practical effects are, you know, are awesome mm-hmm. and are what it's built around. But the stuff that, that the, the filler the, of the story is now made interesting by the 80s-ness of it and the gayness of it. And all of a sudden it becomes, you know, it, 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 it gives it a little more heft because it says the Freddy movies as a franchise and as a sort of cultural thing are strong enough to, to, be, to be stretched and done in this different context, even if it's unsuccessful, and survive afterwards, you know? Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and it's, and it's a, the concept of it is flexible and weird enough that you can literally, yeah, like I, I think Luke just said, you can do anything with it, sort of. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you could say that Nightmare on Elm Street 2 is really... It's the true coming out of Freddy. No, no. It's this coming out party. Oh. At the pool. No. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Just Clothing optional. Yeah. He pulls a Ray Mysterio. He's like, whoa! He... Booyaka, booyaka! 619! I mean, Robert old... England is not tall, but I mean, he's not that short. I, I always found that the, the kind of ironic part of this is that um, when you look at the, again, we talked the main three, Halloween, Nightmare, and, and uh, Friday the 13th. Nightmare is always considered to be, because it's the different one, it's the one, it's not a body count thing, it's not a whatever. It's always the one that people kind of like tend to, even the more mainstream kind of enjoy them more. I think because Freddy became so big after this, after, you know, he became such a, a part of the lexicon of the 80s. Well, you Jesus, know. he was hosting MTV for Christ. Well, what I'm saying is, yeah. like, it became so much bigger. I mean, people know who Jason Voorhees is, but it became so much bigger than that. And I think sometimes, I mean, when you look at when you look at like the money it made and stuff like that, these movies all made good money. Oh yeah. Uh, even when you take something that's maybe a uh, it could be considered a misstep, they made money on this. And um, and, and you're, again, coming from somebody who has Jason Voorhees tattooed on his arm. This is to me the Friday. The, the, as much as I enjoy all the Friday Thirteenths, and I do, I will gladly watch any of the Nightmare movies if they're on. I love them because they're just so entertaining. Like Luke said, um, you know, they they at no point, you know, again, whether you like the story, don't like the story, whatever else might be, you know, it wasn't like they were saying someone got rich off of this movie because someone pocketed all the money from the budget. No, it's on the screen. The physical effects in these movies are really what they're built yeah. about. You're going to get to a point when I think I think it's. Four, maybe it might be three. I think it might be four. Um, hey, look, where of the budget, like eighty something percent of the budget went to just making the physical effects of the movie. Like it was some crazy amount. You're like, what? It's like, and it was. I think it was was it five? You were saying, Luke, where everything has its own. Yes. It, like, I, it, I, that's, that's, yeah, I think that's five. It's either five or six. I'm pretty sure that's five. Five. I think it might be five. Um, but it's it's to the point where you're like, they knew what they were doing, and they're just going to keep playing to that. And you know, some again, sometimes you have to take something that's different and it brings you other mythos um sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't work but you know what i think what it helped them do what this movie truly helped to do besides keeping the money afloat making three happen was it said hey that's not the kind of movie we want to make anymore let's go back to the ideas that one put in place where nancy is now going to come back and whatever's going to happen in three with dream warriors um it i think it helped kind of bring that focus back in on where the series needed to go and you know, 
sometimes it sucks to be the 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 the, the guy who you know it, you, you hate being the guy right before the cool stuff happens. You're like, oh shit, it happened after me. Like you want to be that guy, but it, sometimes you're not. And you know what? I think um, any anybody who was involved with this movie, whether they look back if they're proud of what they did or not proud, whatever. Hey, you made a movie that still was being talked about. 30 right. what 30 whatever year 31 30, years yeah, 31 later. years later yeah right we're still talking about it. it's still hotly debated it's still a movie that whether you hate it or not people still talk about your movie there are movies that were made five years ago that i can't remember i mean i've seen them but i don't remember them yeah, there were movies that there were movies that have been released this summer that people have already forgotten about well yeah. granted if you know? this if this movie was a standalone it might have dropped into obscurity yes but oh, but it, well, but it, but you know it wasn't and it's still it's no. still making it's still making money on residuals it's still making royalties you know there's somebody getting a nickel a check every month you know that they got a, that they get carpal tunneling having to sign them so <laughs> it's yeah you know oh I can't sign all these checks but uh, you know hey you, you said before is we need a name on one I don't remember which episode it was on but somebody said oh we need a name we need a name and so I said we need a name give us a name you Elaine Bennis. You are no deliver list. <laughs> <laughs> you got me blacklisted at Hop Sings, but anyway. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I think I mean it, it might have it might have fallen into his career. It's, it's the what if game again, or would it be remembered as oh, remember that crazy gay horror movie from the eighties? Yeah. I mean, and, and I don't mean yeah, that and as then a they'd say, yeah, I mean that, sleepaway I mean, camp. Right, I mean that totally yeah. as like you know, remember that one, you know, uh, you know that one where that the, the killer gets reborn through the guy's body, and it's it's all kind of weird and gay. It's like, yeah, let's go rent that, you know, back yeah. when we could do that. Let's go stream that, yes. you know. Let's let's go stream that now. That doesn't let's have the right that doesn't have the right appeal, you well, know. Dude, it's it's just like it's just like on your cell phone when you press end call. It doesn't have the same effect as me slamming the phone down. <laughs> the side well, thought you know what? Tonight. You, on top of you you can't talk to me like that mm, yeah. yeah that's the go. thing about cell phones yeah. is you can't rip them out the, rip the cord out of the wall and leave yeah. them down the you can't hallway. you can't do that one donald duck where he pulls the phone off the wall and then the the transfer box and the telephone pole <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> i love that and then somebody did a a, a, a a gif of that where they covered donald's face with the uh, uh, kylo ren's face <laughs> <laughs> It's like that's that's so accurate. <laughs> so, so basically, what we've come to as a conclusion here is that you should really watch Psycho, Sleepaway Camp, and this, and get all of your LGBTQT questions answered. All of them. <laughs> it's, it's everything you wanted to, everything you always wanted to know, but three firms. <laughs> if you want to have a negative impression of those people, watch those. Films. <laughs> You throw Warlock in there. He was gay, not queer.
If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at 2TrueFreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, 2 True Freaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the 2 True Freaks at the same time. Visit our website at 2TrueFreaks.com. 2 True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email 2 True Freaks directly at 2TrueFreaks at gmail.com. 2 True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search 2 True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number 2. You can find 2 True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for 2 True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about 2 True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two Two True True Freaks. Two True Freaks has been brought to you today by Damanzo Corps of Milan, Italy, and by the letters F and U.